Newcastle Fans TV. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Green and Morning Show here on Newcastle Fans TV. The transfer window has is shut as you're listening to this, but just a day and a bit before we spoke to Matthew Ketchup, and known as Ketch from Chronicle Live. He's also a football editor at Reach. He is a podcast machine, isn't he, Sam? Mm. The, shi- the shiny part, and also he's done some fantastic stuff with the Everything is Black and White podcast as well, with the history of Newcastle United. So it was great to have him on with all his insight in regards to the transfer window in Newcastle United. Yeah, uh, really good. Obviously, re- culminates the end of a really busy month. And tomorrow, as we record this, or yesterday, if you're listening on day of podcast release on Tuesday, the Monday, um, is going to be manic, hopefully. Yeah, just a real fun, uh, kind of tiring, I, I, I suppose, mentally, keeping a track of all this, because we're not used to it. But like really, really fun transfer window, isn't it? And hopefully... We can start getting the results off the pitch now and and get to safety um, because I think if we do, then we're in for some real fun going down the line. But um, you've had a busy day, haven't you, Johnny? You've been schmoozing in the press box at the Women's FA Cup and uh, talking to Murdad, have you not? I'll I'll, I'll say talking to Murdad very, very briefly, not as in full-on conversation, asking him how the family is and what he had for his breakfast more. Do you think the girls are going to win today? And he went, fingers crossed. So it was brilliant. But to see nearly 3,000 fans there to watch Newcastle at uh, Kingston Park in the FA Cup against Ipswich Town was brilliant. It really, really was good. And look, the only bad thing was the result. Newcastle were very, very unlucky. Ipswich took the lead after two minutes with a fantastic goal from O'Brien. Um, it did look like in the build that there was a handball, which is probably what not. VAR. I was waiting for the sign, but unfortunately, in the, they didn't have it. Um, however, the girls put in a hand performance. They were so unlucky. I think in another five, ten minutes, I think they definitely would have got a goal. And Newcastle possibly could have been in the last 16 of the FA Cup, but that's where their journey ends, unfortunately. But me and Dan, very, very good with his time with people. A lot of families there today all wanting a little piece of them I suppose and obviously the new uh, owner of Newcastle along with obviously uh, his wife uh, Amanda Stavely the Rubens and the PIF of course but it was brilliant it had a very much a family feel around it and um, it was great being in the press box as well great view um, can't thank the club enough and Lisa Bell in particular who we who we dealt with on that occasion and yeah it was fantastic to get the access that was probably the biggest thing that we got out of it mainly was the access of being able to speak to Becky and uh, Casey after the game, it, it was brilliant. It really, really was good. And I recommend anybody, if, they, if you ever have a spare afternoon and Newcastle aren't playing and you want to watch some good football, the women are doing absolutely superb and looking for promotion this season. It looks like it's going to be very, very close as well. And you've, of course, you've watched episodes previously with Becky Langley, Brute Cocker and Katie Barker on the Green and yeah. the show. So to put it, again, to put it into context, girls all the best. To put it into context, like our women are now top of what would be League Two. Ipswich, who they played today in the FA Cup and lost 1 0 very narrowly, um, were top of League One. Nearly 3,000 in attendance. Does a League Two team get that 
I don't think all of them do. Some of them will do, obviously. Some yeah, of them will of get four or five, like you, you, I would imagine your Bradfords of this world. But well, I think Bradford get Bradford probably get more than double that. Yeah, like, but I don't think exception. every league. I don't think every League Two team would get three thousand, do they? No, well, Accrington Stanley in League One, and they probably don't get three thousand through the gates. Yeah, or, it just shows that the growth, in the, the growth from the, uh, the depth of the, of the women's team as well. But it was great to see a lot of people there all supporting the, the girls, and there's something going on there. There's something going on there. And it starts from the top with Becky. Like we've been, we've always we've always been very impressed with Becky. So. That's probably for another podcast, I suppose. But I know it was it was great to to be involved uh, uh, this this afternoon. But going back into this podcast with Catch, a lot of names that, that get mentioned, a lot of um, particular names that Newcastle fans have been asking about. We asked the question to Catch and what he knows, and he gives us honest answers. And obviously, you'll know whether these names have have, have happened because uh, yeah, this this podcast already coming out, but. It would be interesting to get your thoughts on all the players that have been linked because potentially these could be summer players. And do you think Eddie Howe can get the best out of these players in Newcastle United State? Because it'll be absolutely fascinating from now at the end of the season, especially with the fact that Everton and Villa, two huge games, both oh. in James's Park. You know, the atmosphere. Looking ahead further than that as well. Look at the next six games. I think in six games' time, because um, I know we've got to go to West Ham, I think we've got to Brentford, we've got Brighton at home. Chelsea away is a tough one, obviously, but yeah, I mean, you kind of the, them's the games that you kind of write off, don't you? But the others that I mentioned there, they're they're the results that are really going to shape this season. You feel so? It is down to Eddie Howe now to blend them in, bed them bed them in, and I just hope and pray that um, we can do it and we get out of it. Because I, I like to say, and I'll say again, we're in for some real fun in the summer if we can get out of it. Oh, we love a bit of fun in the sun. We, of course, we do with Geordies. Um, <laughs> of course, now next month I'm I'm coming up, aren't we? And then we're we're doing uh, we're doing the the Newcastle double, aren't we? The the men's team against Palace on the Saturday and the women's team against Leeds on the Sunday. So you've got that to look forward to. Get that spare room ready. Well, it's funny you should mention. That. I've not mentioned that I'm at a birthday the night before as well. And one of it's one of my mates' birthdays. It's meant to be a surprise birthday, so I'll not mention the name. So man, that'll be fascinating. But so oh, you, you are on a proper lash. You're essentially it's going to be like you're on a stag do. I'm, I'm going to be. I might be at three stag do's this year as well. So I'm going to be in absolute state. But that's for another. That's for another show, maybe <laughs> in the long run. But um, I think it's about time we stop talking about potential stag do's and maybe potential podcasts because we are a podcast. We are the Green and Mulder show. After all, so I think we should try and get this show on the road. So this is the Greenwood and Mulliner Show with Matthew Ketchell. The Greenwood and Mulliner Show on Newcastle Fans TV. Good evening, everyone. Welcome back to the Greenwood and Mulliner Show. It is a transfer special. Me and Sam have got Matthew Ketchell. Better to you on Twitter, known as Ketch. He is the football editor at Reach. Good evening to you, Ketch. Hello, mate. How are you doing? I'm very, very good. Uh, Sam, the transfer window in January, we probably thought in the summer was going to be really, really quiet. We probably thought we were talking about Hampson Charity and who else would we be talking about, Sam? No, I was thinking today, like obviously Charity was the, the obvious one, but do you remember like back in the day when we were all tweeting Charlie Austin? 
Oh, come to Newcastle, Charlie. <laughs> come to Newcastle. We've got the race course for your horses and everything. Just don't go to Southampton. Just come to Newcastle. Jesus, what a bullet yeah, dodge that was. was. He, he would have been perfect for Newcastle. And he was, ve- I know he was very up for the move as well. But for whatever reason, I can't remember. It didn't happen. But yeah, good old fashioned English number nine. He, he would have fit in well when we, when we needed one as well. But I can't remember why that one didn't happen. That was under McLaren, wasn't it? Yeah, Doombia yeah, became was... available. So then when Sado Doombia becomes available, you just move for him, don't you? <laughs> Unfortunately, it's, yeah. It's, it was ridiculous because I remember um, I remember in the summer there was rumours, I think Sky Bet suspended betting, and I know you're obviously in the betting industry, Sam, and I know that can that can easily happen and then it, it could be the, the market could be back on later on. But um, it I just remember thinking, oh, get him, we're going to sign him, and then never happened. And then he went to Southampton for four million, which I thought was an absolute steal at the time. I was thinking, four million quid for someone like Charlie Austin, what are we? He was sniffing around the England squad at the time, though, so it was was a good, it wasn't a bad bad shout. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, Yeah, still, we'll move on. We're talking about being the richest football club in the world. How about that? Um, (laughs) uh, Kex, what a January transfer has been so far, and the big news so far. Today, in particular, Newcastle United have announced the signing of Bruno Gamiles. If I pronounce that wrong, tell me now. But how good is it that Newcastle have managed to attract a player of the calibre of Bruno? Yeah, it's, it's amazing, really, isn't it? Like, if, if you think that the likes of Arsenal and Juve been tracking this guy for a while, Newcastle didn't think they would be able to get him, but they thought would try, and he was high on their, their priority of transfers and they've got him um big big fee um and and, and i and I, I tweeted earlier this is like a, a we are not messing around transfer like this is proof that newcastle mean serious business and they're not scared to really go for it and it feels like when you look at his age the profile of, of this player it feels like that's the first proper piece in the puzzle like they might start to build the future newcastle united team around this guy this this guy, I think Bruno, I think he's going to come in and play sort of a number six role, or at least that's where he has been playing. And I, I think it makes sense for him to slot into that position. So he's like Newcastle's now Jorginho or or Rodri or Fabinho, that that type of player. Um, he's just got his foot in the door with the Brazilian national team. Like we've got a Brazilian national playing for us, which is amazing. Um, good passer, intelligent, front foot, positive, you know, how bad has Newcastle's possession stats been? They've been an embarrassment for, yeah. what, four, five, six years? Like, really low, never over the 50s unless you're playing, you know, a bottom three team. He's going to come in and automatically that's going to creep back up to the, the late 40s, 50s, which is where Bournemouth, where Bournemouth were under Eddie Howe. They had a lot more possession of the ball. And I think that's why, why he's identified as a problem at Newcastle. And, and that's why he's looking at players like Bruno Um I just love the positivity of, of this player. Like he is no player in in the French league has completed more progressive passes than Bruno into the final third. Um, he's top for through balls and, and and passes into the area. Good range of passing. Um, good. He's six foot, and the the French league is is quick and physical, so it makes sense for him to to come over to the Premier League's next step in his his career. Still only twenty four. Um, Brilliant. Uh, so, so excited for him to, to get done and no panicking, no deadline day, fax machines breaking down. He's he's in, he's in, he's sorted and there's still 24 hours to go. It's amazing. 2022 and everyone's still so reliant on a fax machine. Um, <laughs> but like uh, with Gimaresh, it's like there's some games where 
if, if everyone's fit, more often than not, you've got Shelby and you've got Hayden in the midfield, Hayden the tough tackler and then Shelby to, to distribute. But I think with Bruno, I think this is both of them players moulded into one, into a real better player, shall we say, that he can tackle. And he's like you say, like a Jorginho, and he can, he can kind of start a move forward rather than just either hit it long or just lose the ball. So it's... It's, I think this is a sign-in, catch that we're going to see a permanent as a permanent fixture in the team for the next five, six years, hopefully, should we stay up, touch wood? I think so, yeah. Um, it, it, reading up about him, because did any of us know about him on, on January the 1st? I'll hold my hands up and say, no, I didn't know about him. But reading up about him, watching all the clips, he's just described himself as a piano carrier, which is in Brazilian, is, 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 is translated as someone who does the unforeseen work. So... He's got this creative streak. He's obviously Brazilian, um, would have played futsal a lot as a, as a young footballer. So he's got this creativity and, and comfort on the ball, but he does the graft. So he does what Shelby doesn't. So he's he, may, maybe Shelby's going to be you know, a bit worried about this. And I think the writing has been on the wall for a while. They've got someone now who can, who can do Shelby's creativity, but also do the running, which has been a problem because when you put Shelby in the team, you've needed a runner alongside him, Isaac Hayden. Um, so now it's like we've got the complete number six and built, you know, put some put some um you know advanced midfielders in front of him, Joe Linton, Willick. It's 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 really exciting and, and I'm fascinated to see if the formation changes or if he stays with the four three three. Um but the, and then it, this is this is this is the beauty of it now, starting to put the team together and where he fits in and, and getting excited for the next few games where there's a lot of points on the table for Newcastle to grab. 100%. I'm glad you called him the piano carrier because the only piano carrier I've ever heard of is Laurel and Hardy. And I'm sure if anyone's seen that episode, it doesn't go very well. <laughs> um, so all I will say is, is that it's just the excitement levels have gone over the, over the top just with this signing. I was at the women's game when this and the signing was announced and you could just see just everybody going, oh, it's being announced, it's being announced. Oh, and it's brilliant. Like You can just see people's, the smiles on people's faces. You couldn't tell we're third bottom sec- or second bottom of the league or whatever, third bottom of the league. It's just, it's absolutely crazy. And another si- a sign that's very imminent is Brighton's Dan Byrne. Uh, 11 million pounds up front with an extra 2 million in add-ons. I'm assuming probably if Newcastle stay up this season. Um, in your opinion, is that a sensible signing? Because obviously the centre-back in particular position, Newcastle have been after Botman, they've been after Carlos, they've been after Baniashile. Nat Phillips has very quietly been mentioned as well. Do you think this is sensible or do you feel like this is like the last chance saloon of Newcastle getting a centre-half in January? Well, I imagine how it works with the January transfer window and Newcastle United is they obviously draw up a huge list of players and prioritise those players. And we've seen them work their way through this list. So it started with Botman. That was their key defensive priority, left-sided, um, young, um, you know, only 21 um, having a fantastic season, won the league already, um, hasn't actually played internationally, but will play internationally for Holland, let's face it. Um, so that was their first choice and, and and they were told no. So, you know, that deal goes cold, you have to move on. And they moved on to Diego Carlos and that went on a bit longer, a bit more drawn out. They got told no. So they're working their way down this this shopping list and they're, pro- they're probably now in the Dan Byrne, Nat Phillips aisle, if you like. And uh, it does make perfect sense. It's It's a left-sided... Uh, Premier League experienced player, a really big lad, um, but a lad who's no no slouch. He's he's really coming to his own, I think, under Graham Potter. He he was 
sort of, I would say, a fringe championship Premier League player. And then Potter seems to have got hold of him and turned him into this much more consistent, uh, rounded, modern centre-back, 29 years old. Um, like I say, great, great sort of personality, quite a calm player, but not afraid to get stuck in. Uh, I mean, in, in, in win headers, he's six foot seven, you know, and, and, and I think the icing on the cake is it's a it's great story. It's a lad from Blythe who who played for the academy between the ages of 11 and 13, didn't happen for him. This this happens a lot with Newcastle getting rid of players before we uh, before they mature properly. Didn't happen for him, um, and he's gone. I think he did actually play for Blythe for a bit and Darlington, and then he got his break. Fulham, Wigan, and he's he's had to really graft to get to this position. What, what a great story for the lad, 29, the last big move of his career, and it's to come home on a really big contract at, at quite an exciting time, and hopefully help Newcastle secure Premier League uh, safety and then move on into into this exciting new future he knows he knows the deal you know he, he probably won't be around for that he won't be around for the next you know half a dozen years but he has a really important role to play in terms of tightening up this defense and I just also think he'd be a good person to have around the dressing room strikes me as a calm player um and, and the, the back four need a bit of calming down if you if you if, if you ask me they're a bit panicked and he, he he's someone who's coming in fully fit loads of loads of prem minutes under his belt great great deal um not not a ridiculous amount of money for a, a premier league center half and brighton are happy to do the deal so i expect to see him unveiled tomorrow and uh look forward to hearing from you expect him to be unveiled tomorrow how many others will be unveiled tomorrow because i think you've got a busy day tomorrow yeah well def- absolutely yeah i was just saying 16 hour shift tomorrow um working on chronicle live I also work across seven other clubs that reach. So we do the Northeast and uh, five Yorkshire clubs. I don't know how busy Sunderland will be. Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, Middlesbrough might be busy. Uh, you know, Jeff Hendrick might might be going there on loan. And then five Yorkshire clubs. So it's going to be busy, but hugely exciting. Um, I don't. I'm not really a person who does the hard news. If you like, I'll, I'll leave that to Lee Ryder and Kieran Kelly on on, on Newcastle. But sometimes news does does reach me, and I, I heard a good rumor on Friday that Enketia is pretty much, you know, going to happen. So that that's a bit of bit of transfer news that I had alone. Looks looks confident. I don't know if that deal's been affected by what Arsenal are doing with Bamiyang. Looks like he might be going out to to Barcelona. I don't know if that's going to be affected. But Enketia is the the one decent rumor that I've heard in the last week uh, myself. But yeah, they, they could do they could they could do five more deals tomorrow if if you look at the strong rumors. Burn and Ketia, Lingard, Dean Henderson came into the mix big time this weekend, yeah. and then Matt Target came out today. So they could do five more players tomorrow, which is a, it's a bit mad, really. I don't know if that's I don't know if that's too much, but as as a Newcastle uh, fan and someone who works across the club professionally, I don't think we should be um, turning our noses up at anything really, given the 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 last fifteen years of of, of dull January transfer windows that we've had to endure. Is it is it too much though, Catch? Because as much as it is fantastic to see so many new names and so many new players potentially coming into Newcastle, you you put like putting out almost a new starting eleven halfway through the season. Yes, they're going to have more quality than what the Newcastle players currently have in a lot of positions, and particularly defence. But does it unsettle a team, especially in the situation that we uh, Newcastle face? Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. I'm saying they could do five tomorrow. It's unlikely they'll do five tomorrow, and I. I that probably is overkill, isn't it? If if they bring in five more players, I'm just looking at the 25 man squad. They have to resubmit this next month. 
there's um there needs to be some outgoings. There's 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 no no strong rumours of, of players being going out apart from Jeff Hendrick is apparently in talks with Middlesbrough. Um it's 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 gonna be busy, it's gonna be a busy day in as much as there has to be outgoings or or players being told they're not part of the the twenty five man squad. So um yeah, if they did five tomorrow, um, that would be what? That would be, I'm losing count now. That would be eight players. That is probably, yeah. in terms of dressing room dynamic, a little bit too much. So I think really, um, if they brought in, I think I think Burn hopefully will, will happen tomorrow. Um, and then if they brought in a forward and Ketia, that would that would probably be enough. And then the likes of Lingard, Henderson and Target is, is, is bonus. But to do all of them, I think that's probably a bit too much. Just in terms of dressing room dynamic, but also getting players out of the club as well. You're going to freeze a lot of players out of football, basically, which is Eddie Howe said in his press conference last week that he wasn't really keen to do that. Yeah, we've we've sort of had years of doing that as well, haven't we? With with players on stupid long contracts like Saive. Um, I miss Saive. Where is he now? What is he? Has he found a club yet? I hope he has. I Did he go he... Turkey? Took Turkish club. That sounds like a, that sounds like a good fit for him. Um, uh, yeah, it sounds about right, doesn't it? But there's obviously players on the fringes now. Like if if Burn comes in and and whatnot, like your Kieran Clarks, your Dwight Gales, your Hendricks as well. Obviously, going to Borough. I think Woodman's on loan to Bournemouth tomorrow as well. I read today. Whether there's anything in that, I don't know. Um, but could you see maybe Kieran Clark, Dwight Gale getting championship loans? Shola's going to be a very busy man tomorrow, loan in the loan <laughs> department. It's going to be a shock to the system for for him, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but they it's they have to, and that 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 is um, the interesting thing about this window is yeah, we're so focused on incomings that the outgoing rumours have been it's been death deathly quiet. I think you know Longstaff's been linked with a few. You know the Everton rumor that came up, and then it's just been you know the fringe players like Matty Longstaff, who it, he's on he qualifies as an under twenty one, so he could stay and it wouldn't affect the twenty five man squad. I think that's important to note. Needs games though, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, but you know if he stays, it's it's not the end. He could still feasibly play. I mean, yeah. I'm just trying. I just did a little bit of you know fag packet working out who might go out, and you know Clark Hayden. How bad is his knee after the surgery? Might they knock him on the head for the for the season? Yeah, Kraft, Dwight Gale, but there's no s- strong rumours for them leaving. So you could be in a situation where I think we had it with Atsu and Save this time last year. They they stayed, but they weren't registered, and you know that's that's not ideal for them. Um, but that's that's football. It's pretty. It's a pretty harsh world to be honest, and uh, that's going to be interesting as much as as uh, incomings tomorrow is is how the 25-man squad looks when they have to resubmit. Yeah, I don't think we'll see two goalkeepers on the bench uh, for the Everton game in particular. <laughs> I think that might be <laughs> long gone. Um, the next player on my list, Jesse Lingard. I, I know you've gone through a, a few players, potentially who Newcastle could get to more, but the reason I want to speak about Jesse Lingard a little bit more uh, is because I feel that it's an interesting deal. And I think it's a deal that no one's ever really had in the history of football in terms of a survival bonus and that rumoured fate of around about £12 million making the deal about £16.5 million in total for a loan deal, even though Manchester United would rate Jesse Lingard as a £50 million player, apparently. I could, I could be completely wrong. 
My question is to you, Ketch. If a player's worth £50 million, why is he not playing for that club? Number one. Number two, are Newcastle United going back in for him tomorrow? And do you think there is going to be some negotiation with Manchester United about Lingard? Hmm. Well, why is, why is Lingard not playing? I think the answer is Man United are a dysfunctional club at the minute. Um, poorly ran. They, they can't work themselves out at all. Um, they've got you know, 60, 70 million pound players in every position. They can't work the combination out. Um, they don't know whether to stick twist with these players. They got like they're spending huge money on players like Van der Beek, who looks like a good lad and a good player who they could develop, and they just don't give him give him the minutes at all. Um, so, and then and, and then like, like I say, they, they, they've got players in form, they've got players out of form, they've got players injured, and they just they just haven't got it right. They're chopping and changing managers. They've got a manager there who's not going to be around in the summer. So it's it's just like. It's almost like damage limitation, and they've got this. The, the added dynamic to the Lingard deal is his contract is is up. He's not going to sign, so they want to re, they want to recoup money for him, but they don't seem to want to do a permanent deal. And then they know they've got a seriously interested party in Newcastle who have loads of money, so they want to they want to try and get the best deal for themselves. That the whole the whole club is run on um, you know money. It's like it's 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 bottom line. It's it's it's. Profit margin, basically, they almost ignore the league position as long as the the money the, the money side of things is good. Um, in terms of whether they'll do a deal, difficult to say. Um, they've obviously let Martial go out on loan. Mason Greenwood's now suspended. Will that affect things? I don't know. Lingard wants to get out. Um, he wants to play. There's a World Cup in the, in the winter this year. He needs to play. He's out the England squad. He's good enough to be in the England squad. He went out on loan last season, did really well, enjoyed himself, put himself back in the frame big time for England um, and established himself as like one of the top sort of Premier League players in that in that sort of reserve forward position. Um, I think he probably quite likes the idea of coming to Newcastle where he'll feel a bit of love. I don't think he's had that at Man United um, from his club. Um, I, think, I think Man United fans like him. I think Man United fans really like him, but... It's just gone stale for him, which is a shame for someone who's spent his whole career or was produced by Man United. And I know he's done a lot of loans, but he's got an affiliation from the club. He's from the Northwest. So it's it's gone it's gone stale for him. It's gone stale for that club, if you ask me. They need a root and branch upheaval in the summer. So it would make sense for both parties for him to get out. And Man, but Man United know there's probably not going to do a sale. So it's all about getting recouping as much money as possible. Will a deal get done tomorrow? I'd love a deal to get done tomorrow. I'd love to see Lingard come through. Like, I mean, how exciting is, is that type of deal? Um, it could definitely happen. And I and I wonder, I know a lot of fans are a bit, you know, it's a bit of a lives leaves a bit of a bad taste in your mouth when you look at the figures, like 12 million pounds for five-month loan effectively. But say say Lingard comes and gets in the team and scores and plays well and becomes a bit of a um a hero at Newcastle. And and like I said, feels the love from the fans. Then that makes the sell in the summer for him to come and be a permanent Newcastle player even stronger. And then you're kind of getting Jesse Lingard for twelve million quid, which is which is a bargain. So I wonder if Newcastle are thinking like that. And I wondering if I wondering if they also think we do have quite a bit of money, <laughs> so we can afford to do this deal. <laughs> it doesn't. It's not great, but can we get Jesse Lingard in? It's if we stay up, we save so much money, and we could possibly persuade him to stay and be a permanent part of this project. Um, and that's that's it. There's so much going on with this deal; it's a really interesting one, and it could definitely happen 
tomorrow, I would say the chances are probably dropping as time goes on. And, and with what's happened at Man United today, the chances are probably slim and Lingard will be disappointed by that. And I think Newcastle fans will be disappointed by that. But I'm, I wouldn't rule it out. And I, and I wonder if Newcastle just wait until the last minute and they might just in the end go, oh, go on then, we'll, we'll do this deal. It's 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 an outrage, the, fr- the figures, but there's bigger bigger picture to consider. It'd be classic deadline day stuff, wouldn't it? Like the, the loan market always goes crazy on deadline day. But such is football that like 12 months ago, if you'd have said Jesse Lingard, I'd have gone, nah, no, 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 not for me. Not good enough. He's lost it. He's not there. In fact, I've tweeted something very similar 12 months ago from the NFTV account, which will come back to bite me on my ass. <laughs> but he gets that loan to West Ham, plays amazing, and now it's, yes, please. It it's it could be a very similar situation down at Spurs with Deli Ali again, like you mentioned, catch with the World Cup on the horizon. These sort of players need to play football because it's it's not it, it's a mid season World Cup this time around. Yeah, exactly. And I think at the start of the window, everyone's going, "Well, who's who's going to come to Newcastle? Who's going to come to Newcastle?" The big England players who aren't in the squad and aren't getting minutes, those are the players who are going to come to Newcastle because Newcastle will pay their full wages and they'll play. They'll pay a chunky loan fee. Um, you know, 12 million quid is a very, it's, a, it's outrageous. It's outrageous, really, isn't it? But Man United have formed with this. Do you remember when we were in for uh, Twanzebe in the summer? And they yeah. wanted 5 million, I think, loan fee for Twanzebe. And Villa paid it. And, and Mike Ashley is just not in the in the business of paying 5 million pound loan fee. So that was just off the table. I mean, Villa paid it and actually it backfired on them on that occasion. But now it's totally different in Newcastle now. that there's They will pay 100% wages and they will pay loan fees. So that's where Newcastle have the advantage over other clubs. And that's where, you know, Lingard really is only option tomorrow is likely to be Newcastle. Um, you mentioned Deli Alley. It's an, it's an interesting one. I mean, you hear the name and you, you automatically think, yeah, brilliant, get him up here. But in reality, I don't think he's, I don't think he's a Eddie Howe type of player. In terms of, he's he's a talented lad. He's creative. Um, I think he, deep down he's a good lad, but there is a little bit of inherent. I don't want to. I don't know the, for want of a better word, laziness about him. I know that him and Mourinho butted heads over Deli Ali's perceived effort in training. If you watch the Amazon documentary at Spurs, they had a few meetings about his his, his effort in training. And look at look at Eddie Howe's training sessions. They are a million miles an hour. 100% effort it, and, and, and for Deli Ali to kind of jog in and trot around and it doesn't really it doesn't really feel right does it um, Deli Ali come into this team as exciting as it would be so I think that one's gone cold I don't think that one will happen but Lingard Lingard would be nice and and, and and people have been going on about Lingard or don't know about his attitude and disruptive I don't see that at all I don't see that at all I, th- I see a good a good sort of working class lad from uh, I think he's from Warrington he, he, he seems bubbly and personable and 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 bright and friendly and like a good chirpy lad to have around. I don't I don't see attitude. I don't see laziness. I see someone with a point to prove who, who could be a positive influence on the pitch and off the pitch as well. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. Actually, you need to write characters. I think that's very important, especially in a dressing room, especially needing points to stay in the division. We're not fighting for the European places or the title or anything stupid like that. We just need to make sure we're better than three teams. Uh, well, from now at the end of the season, that's that's the absolute minimum because that'll be at least such a fascinating summer. If, if, new, if like January's been an absolutely immensely magical, but summer's going to be like if Newcastle can stay up. 
Um, Dean Henderson, this is a fascinating one. This is because I had a, actually had a good debate with Lee, um, who runs the who runs Newcastle Fans TV catch, and I think this is a really good signing if Newcastle can get this done on loan, maybe an obligation to buy a herd as well. Um, in regards to Dean Henderson, I think he was so good at Sheffield United, so so good, and I think the club and the player just it was just a perfect match at the right time. Got him promoted to. The Premier League under Chris Wilde is doing an amazing job down the road at Middlesbrough as well. You've got to remember, Sheffield United finished ninth in the Premier League. And if it wasn't for COVID, and I'm, I'm going to say this, if it wasn't for COVID, I think Sheffield United probably would have finished maybe, okay, sixth, seventh. I just think that disruption. And, uh, I, Sam, they were the form team, the form team before COVID hit. They were, I think, two points off fourth two weeks before uh, COVID hit. I'm not saying they were going to finish in the top four, the top top six maybe a bit too much, but honestly, they were playing some unbelievable football. But just on Dean Henderson, because there's always been a debate over to Darlow, Dubravka, Darlow, Dubravka, especially with Darlow having such a good season last season, obviously then taking over Woodman. Dubravka for me has not had the season, or he's not, he's not had the, the season that he normally has. And even when he came back in at the end of last season, especially at the start, I know maybe he was a bit rusty, but I didn't think he was as good as he normally was. And I don't think he's been that good this this season at take away the Leeds game, which I think was probably his best game of the season, which is ironic. I think if Dean Henderson comes in, he ain't going to just warm a bench at Man United to warm a bench at Newcastle. He's going to be playing. And I think he's better than Dubravka. So in my opinion, it's a no-brainer. Can you see that happening? And if it does, do you think that Henderson is better than Dubravka right now. It's a really interesting one, isn't it? And the Henderson, I really like. I really like Henderson. Um, I used to work with a Shrewsbury fan, and that was his first loan. I think he went to Shrewsbury and played like forty odd games, and they made the playoff final. And he My just went down. Birth. Sorry, is it? Oh, wow. Yes, I was born <laughs> in Shrewsbury. Yeah, Salop. so Salop indeed, and he went there, and he was just like. He's had ridiculous confidence, ridiculous confidence. Like went in there, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna be England's number one. I'm gonna play for my United. Like, and this, this is a kid who's miles away from the from the first team at this stage. He's gone in there, and he's just out of nowhere. He played forty yard games, playoff final. Uh, Shrewsbury, you know, really punching above their weight in in that division that that year. And then obviously he's gone again up 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 from League One to Championship Sheffield United. I think he did. He did. I think they went up that season. Then he's done the Premier League season and he was he was phenomenal. And it was all just the levels. He was just going through the levels, wasn't he? Under 20, England under 21, good season in the championship, good, great season in the Premier League for a you know one of the weaker teams. And then it was like all set up, go to Man United and grab the number one uh, jersey. And he and it, he went there and it didn't quite happen for him, did it? He, he did get a chance, I think, to 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 have that number one jersey, played a lot of games, played in Europe. And, and made some mistakes and at that level with Man United you have you have to be perfect if you want to become Man United's number one keeper and you want to oust someone like David De Gea who's been there so long and is like a you know was at one point one of the best keepers in the world you've got to be perfect and he wasn't perfect so he knows in his head he's probably he's probably missed his chance there but he's now at that level where he knows he can play brilliantly and consistently consistently in the Premier League he doesn't want to be on the bench and to be fair He's been in the senior England squad. He doesn't. He just shouldn't have to sit on the bench. So I was surprised that he didn't go in the summer. I don't really know why that didn't happen. And then for him to be linked with us sort of late in the day in this window, 
it's interesting. It doesn't make it doesn't make a lot of sense to me this one because I really like Dubravka, um, and Dubravka has been brilliant for us. I would agree with you that he's, when he's come back from injury, he hasn't reached the levels that he was at prior to prior to Euro twenty twenty. But he was massive against Leeds, huge save in the yeah. first half. More, and I think with the like with the injuries had and how long he was out, and it was a foot injury, and it's still bothering him the foot injury. I think it, I think you need time. And I think the more games he gets, the more he becomes like the old Martin Dubravka. That said, he's what thirty-three now, oldest member of the squad. Um, I know goalkeeper is a position where you can go into your mid-thirties and, and be playing at a high level, but I, I kind of quite like the idea that they're pushing Newcastle, are pushing themselves and going. Well, let's get a keeper in. Let's get a keeper in now. If Henderson comes tomorrow, he's coming. He's going to go in the team. He'll go. He'll play. He'll be number one, and that's that's harsh on on the uh, Dubravka. Um, uh, uh, but it, it's in a, in a way this one doesn't really make sense to me because they're already struggling with the twenty five man squad. You've got four keepers. You need to get Woodman out. You bring Henderson in. What you're going to then put push Gillespie out? So, and then I think Gillespie's a good person to have around in in terms of dressing room dynamics. So that's. That's interesting. But if he comes, we know this is an Eddie Howe signing. Like Eddie Howe wants him and Eddie this is another, I would say, if Henderson comes, that's a that's one of the jigsaw pieces like Guimaraes. Like he is a player who, if Henderson comes, that's your keeper for the next 10 years. So if that one happens tomorrow, that'd be amazing. Um, let's see. I agree with everything you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, That's just I, end I, the I, podcast then, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 it just is. I mean, it's not if if Henderson. I mean, Henderson should be England number one. He, he just he, he should be because he should be playing games. He needs to be playing games. And if I, I know Ramsdale's had a good season, and I know Pickford has the shirt at the moment, but if Henderson has a good run of games under his belt, for me, he's England number one. Mm-hmm. But is it a priority position for Newcastle? No, not really. Could it wait till the summer? Probably, yeah. But one position that really couldn't wait was obviously centre back. And let's, for instance, say the the burn deal—it's going to get done, isn't it? Um, who for you, catch starts as your centre back pairing against Everton? I mean, it's a really it's a really difficult one because burn, burn will probably co- probably will come in at, um, at left centre half. Um, and I do, I do think, I do think you need you need Lascelles in there in terms of having your captain on the pitch. And I, I think Eddie Howe values that. Is it what I would do if I was a manager? Probably would like everyone else drop Lascelles, but Eddie Howe's the manager, and he knows the importance of Lascelles in terms of his influence on the entire squad every day in training. Like Lascelles is someone who I've um, through work have got to meet and interview, and uh, this was uh, a couple of years ago in my old job at BBC Match of the Day magazine, went to the training ground and spent about 45 minutes in his company. He'd won an award voted for by the readers and presented him with the award and did like a sit-down one-on-one interview with him. And I just, I couldn't I couldn't tell you how impressed I was with, with the guy. Um, it was at the training ground and you were like, I was sat in reception waiting for, the, for him to finish training or whatever. And there was a few like, there was a few young players there and there was a young player there. I can't remember who it was, but he got injured and Lascelles was like over to him, arm around the shoulder, stay positive, blah, blah. He's talking to all the staff, the security staff, the receptionist, he's having banter. He's like the life and soul of of the entire club, the glue that holds it all together. Um, 
even when like Chris Wood arrived and you seen him just with with Lascelles and when there was a little bit of training ground footage that came out the day Chris Wood joined in the training in terms of welcoming new players into the squad that Lascelles will be the first point of contact he's having a bad time he's he's off form he'll know that more than anyone um he's not getting any younger Newcastle are having a, a tough time in the league um it's a really it's a really difficult one but I just think the way Eddie Howe works is he he I think he's planning with Lascelles in the team. That said, Lascelles is an injury prone player. I think he picked up a knock at Leeds. Um, you've got to have a squad. You've got to rotate, and he, he never plays a full season, does he, Lascelles? And and um, I think that's kind of coming into it. But I think if Lascelles is fit, I think it's Dan Byrne and Lascelles, and then you know Share is probably the the next the next the next in line. Um, Fernandez doesn't look like anywhere near fitness, uh, full fitness at the minute. So I'm I'm kind of looking again tomorrow, at trimming the squad. Does Fernandez get does Fernandez get frozen out, which is brutal, really, because um, he's a bit of a fan favourite, very reliable, another good dressing room influence. But how bad is his injury? So all these things come into it. But personally, I would I would probably how good was Share by the way at Leeds? Oh, immense. you would you would go you would go burn Share really if you were thinking like logically logistically but in the reality we don't see the influence of, of Lascelles behind the scenes and I think it is so vast that he will start and it will make sense for Burn to go in on his left it, it's going to be fascinating because I, I was just just very quickly scribbling down and it turns like almost like a team for Everton and I'm going such and such or such and such in almost every position Right back's probably the only position I've got at the minute that I know Kieran Trippier will start if fit. Um, how important has that signing been, Kirk? Because it was the first signing under the new regime, and he's almost been a revelation since he came at the football club for more on the pitch and off the pitch. Everybody wants him to be the next captain. I think, as much as I think he could be the next captain, obviously, you can see on if you're uh, watching on YouTube for this podcast, you can see on your screen. Kieran Trippier, the captain uh, for the friendly on Friday afternoon, which Newcastle won two games in a row. Come on, two one. <laughs> um, <laughs> or if if we're even counting that, I should say. Um, I don't think people realise if you're not a Newcastle fan how good of a sign this is for the price that Newcastle have paid. Me and Sam have been arguing for twenty five thousand years about a right back coming into a football club. That's ended that debate. We're best mates now, so it just shows mm. that. Anything can be possible with it. Well, nearly best mate. Uh, it just shows that with the, with looking around and scouting around, and the fact that Eddie Howe and Kieran Trippier had that relationship, it was almost the perfect signing that Newcastle could have done as their first signing under the new regime. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I'd agree with you. It was interesting, like coming into the January transfer window. It was like it was it was a bit coming into the unknown. Like, how are Newcastle going to approach this? Like. We are oh, we're the richest club in the world. Are they going to go about like that? Um, and I think the 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 speed at with the trip at which the Trippier deal got done kind of said to me, "Wow, these are serious about about improving this squad, and they're going to spend money, and they're going to make ambitious signings." So that was like set the tone for me for for the January window. Wow, Kieran Trippier in. Um, the rumor was out early uh, towards the end of twenty twenty one, wasn't it? Like we're in for Trippier, and I was kind of like. I'm not having that. Like, there's no way he's going to come, and it's just one of them, like trying to get the fans g'd up. But 
it transpired that there was interest from from Trippier and Atletico were, were not going to stand in his way because you know he'd been a good servant to them and for whatever reason he wanted to come back to uh, the north of England. Um, the interesting one was I know for a fact the Man United deal was serious um, and close, and he's a Man he's a Man United fan, so he would have been desperate for that to go through. Um, didn't happen, so that's hard for him to take. But then he he, he just he's he's you know what I mean he's, he's Atletico's first choice right back, and and we secured him early in January. Like it was just incredible. And then you think, well, you know, hopefully he comes in with the right attitude. And the game asked the the um, Watford game that I was at, um, got to see him up close, um, and just everything about him is is sort of high level football like even things like the way he was taking up his the, the body position he was putting himself in for when like long balls were coming in over the top and the way he was lining himself up um with the back four like he was he was stepping up anticipating the, the rest of the back four weren't, weren't doing that at all but he was always just he was so alert and there was a few I think he was because he's not the tallest player I think Watford identified like long balls over the top but he just read the flight of the ball and he was even winning headers and I thought he was actually good in the air and I was just like, this is just a player who he just knows that position inside out. Um, he, he he's just a, a totally experienced right back, and I was just like, this is fantastic to see him in our team. And then he was phenomenal against Leeds. Just again, the way the way he puts himself into tackles, the way the way he blocked crosses, everything about him, and he, he gets a bit roughed up as well. And um, yeah. he doesn't get involved. He wasn't getting involved. Wasn't getting wound up. He's, he's a calm influence on the pitch, and he's a talker. So everything about that signing was 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 great, and and Shira said on match today, you know, this is the future captain of the club. He's bang he's bang on really, like he's 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 ready to do it, and I think he'd be up for it. Um, if Lascelles doesn't play, he'll get the armband as we've seen um, in the friendly. Uh, so that really that really set the tone, and just the lift it must have given the dressing room. You know, Kieran Trippier is now alongside you in current in England international, everything he's done, everything he's won, all the big games he's played in. Just again, calm and influence in the back four, which is where it was needed. Um, so yeah, and, and and that set the tone and showed, I think, the football world, Newcastle are now a serious player when it comes to transfers. And as it's transpired, that's that's what's happened. I'm going to quote myself. Uh, well, I'm going to repeat. I'm going to repeat myself after the, the, what I said after the Leeds game that he's just Kieran Trippier. He's just got such a sexy football brain. He's <laughs> just such an intelligent player. It's, I love it. Just an absolute level above. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, questions coming in about um, various uh, players, certain names that um, that remain on the on the shortlist. There's Zapata, Diego Carlos, which I think is is pretty dead as, in terms of this month now, isn't it? And then Botman. Do you th- do you think um, a is there any chance of them happening in the next twenty four hours? Which I doubt. But um, B, will are these the sort of players that if should we stay up, are we going to go back in for in the summer? I don't know. I, it, the, it's, it's difficult not to get ahead of yourself, isn't it? And um, yeah. I think well, if we stay up, what does the summer look like? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, you know, uh, um, do we do we just match Haaland's release clause in the summer? You know what I mean? It's like the way they've gone you about say, it. You, no, you're not allowed to say <laughs> things like that. We should be thinking, it, can we afford a loan fee? Bit, You're not allowed yeah. to say, let's just fuck it and break Haaland's release clause. Well, this is the way you, you, you stroke your mind, just runs away with you, doesn't it? You know, the, mm. when when you when you see people like, you know, Aquamera's man, it's such a, it's such a statement 
really, I think, to, to just the boldness of that move to just go, well, we've got the money, we've got the ambition. Here it here it is, like no no nonsense. This is what I've said earlier in the in the transfer window. It's a no nonsense window, like Trippier will pay it, come. This is the plan. We want to be a serious player in, in European football. So if Newcastle if Newcastle stay up, um I just think the pathway to uh success is 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 just there. Like there's there's no limits really when you've got this sort of power and ambition behind you. And they've already sort of flexed that a little bit this month and, and the man, managing to attract Trippier and Guimaraes in this situation just makes you think what could happen in the summer where it's a clean slate, there's um, hope you know, hopefully Howe's established a bit of a style among the way he wants the team to play um and, and operate the be a director of football in, you'd you'd like to think by the summer. Um he will have contacts uh, in, in and around world football. So yeah, it's 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 really it's really it's really interesting, and, and and that is really the carrot, isn't it? Like we we obviously want Newcastle not to get relegated, but it's because if they stay up, what could be ahead of the club um, in the summer and beyond um, is like some stuff we've never really experienced before. Certainly, you two won't have experienced it. I started supporting the club in '93, so I just caught the Keegan. Uh, era so before me that's what, exactly like that is what it was like like i started supporting newcastle in 1993 by 1996 they were one of the best in europe yeah. so i kind of know what it feels like and the thought of having that feeling back is is really exciting and hopefully they stay up and we have another transfer window like this in august yeah for sure um there's a question just from one of our uh from one of our subscribers and just because obviously he's paid a little amount of money we'll we'll we'll, we'll ask the question to you catch um miguel miron he's a newcastle fan from usa i love the fact there's newcastle fans from america it's just mint just quite, this just shows the, the, the fan with the size of our fan base as well and um, would you transfer al miron back to atlanta catch um no assists and no goals this season i, I think i do think you can get a tune out of miguel miron i do but as it got to as it got to the stage now with Miguel Miron, he's probably just not what we need right now. Is he just not good enough for Newcastle United in terms mm. of what the future could hold for Newcastle right now? I don't know. I mean, clearly it's gone it's gone stale for him, hasn't it? And I just think he hasn't had he hasn't had the run in the team. I, I mean, under Bruce, it was really square pegs, round holes, wasn't it? And he couldn't work out. He couldn't work out the formation. He couldn't fit the players in. He, he didn't know what to do with wingers. Steve Bruce, let's be honest. Now there's a bit of a there's a bit of a there's a bit of a thread now with um, this this four three three is interesting. Um, and Fraser's made that 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 position on on the the right side his his own. Um, Almiron could play there, but Fraser's got the got the the spot at the minute, and he's he's doing well. So I think Almiron needs to think. Do I be patient, wait for my chance, and try and get in there, or do I do I look elsewhere? I also kind of I worry about him in terms of I think he's got one of those agents who likes to be sort of proactive in terms of touting his client around. There's being you know we ran a story on Chronicle Live, um, Lee Ryder did about the agent demanding talks in the summer with Newcastle. Our Miron's agent agent wants to speak to Newcastle about you know the lack of minutes, which is fair enough. You know he's got his. He's got his priorities and he's got, you know, a client, a client there, really, you know, a player who we thought could go on to become a, a really interesting high-level European player. It hasn't happened for him. He probably wants to 
to try and move him on. Maybe in the summer, if Almiron hasn't done anything between now and May, maybe they'll just go, let's cut our losses with this. Um, because, you know, we've got bigger fish to fry and we've got money to spend and blah, blah, blah. So it's a shame because I do like Miggy. And, and I remember I hadn't felt the excitement of a new signing for so long. And then when he came, I did have that feeling of excitement that January. And when he came on against Wolves for his debut, I was just like, I was, you know, adrenaline went and hairs on the back of my neck and he looked like such an exciting player. And he is, but I don't know. It's it's, it's difficult to come from MLS with limited English and come into the Premier League. He is so quick and I think he, it does suit him this league, but for this, you know, there's a million things can go wrong and, 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 and everything needs to be right. And it just hasn't clicked for him. It's gone a bit stale. So I could see him being moved on in, in the summer because Newcastle, if Newcastle stay up, um, if they go down, that's a different story. But yeah, it's a, it's a sad one with Miggy because we all love him, don't we? We do. I wish you hadn't mentioned that Wolves game because it still narks me. Oh, the, yeah. Stood in the away end going, well, he's, <laughs> he's clearly going to blow and disallow that equaliser because it's clearly a fucking foul. Why hasn't he blown yet? Oh, look at him, he's <laughs> not blown. Awful, it? It oh, awful, yeah. yeah, I'm over it now. <laughs> don't think you are no you're right i'm not um, <laughs> but anyway <laughs> yeah th- th- there's uh obviously a few more names being linked but um kind of if you could do uh well, let's have a prediction time i think we should go around the table and uh, have some predictions two ins two outs what's going to happen tomorrow Ooh, I'm down. <laughs> i mean i th- i think I think Burnin. I think Burnin. And- well, you can't say burn. That's clearly cheating. Well, he hasn't been announced, has he? But yeah, I, mean, I think in Ketty. I think in Ketty. I can see in Ketty coming. Um, and I just, I do think, I do think they'll pay the money for Lingard. I think they'll just, they'll just, mm. I think they'll go for it. I think, I think they'll go. We can afford this. Um, there's, you know, it's, it's it's a lot of money, but going down is is a lot of money, um, and and just. Yeah. The, the excitement and the lift Lingard would bring to um, both the dressing room and the fan base. Um, and I, I don't think he's a risk in terms of like, like I said earlier, he's not, I don't think he's a bad egg at all. I think he's a good, positive, bubbly, lively player. And I, I do think they just need that withdrawn forward, don't they? Like Willick, again, it hasn't happened for him. Um, he should have made that position his own, but it hasn't, it hasn't happened. Uh, maybe he needs Ling- someone like Lingard to come in and G him up and get him going. Um, but what the impact Lim- Lingard had at West Ham this time last year just says to me that is such a you know you, you can buy you can buy what eight goals and a load of assists, and then the key thing is Newcastle fans you need to get into his head and and give him the Rafa Benitez treatment like uh, when we beat Spurs on the last day of the season Rafa Day and it, it convinced yeah. him to. Um, to become the permanent manager, l- l- get Lingard up, help him fall in love with the area and the club, make him a permanent player. You've got Jesse Lingard for, for 12 million quid. I just think it's it makes sense. So, you know, it's a lot of money, but richest club in the world and all that. It's a lot of money, but like Chris Wood for 25 million was a lot of money. But if he yeah. scores what six, seven goals between now and the end of the season, that's priceless mm-hmm. if it keeps us up, isn't it? Yeah. Johnny prediction. Right, I'll go with the outs first. I think Freddie Woodman, I think Newcastle's definitely getting rid of a goalkeeper. They've got to. And I think, obviously, we've heard in the Athletic about Bournemouth are very interested. 
Um, I definitely think championship will be it'll be the level for him, probably for his career maybe. Even though maybe he can get a chance at the Premier League, I don't think that, I don't think that'll be at Newcastle. Oh. And another one going to go a little bit left field, Matt Ritchie. I just think oh, we have to, he's linked awesome. every freaking window. He never goes. The thing just to, just no. to come in with with the one on Richie, his family are all in in the on the south coast, aren't they? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just wonder. I wouldn't. He wanted. To, I think he wanted to go last year. This time last year, I think he wanted to. Um, and he he stayed and became key, didn't he? Um, which is fair play to him. I know if he even if he's unhappy and he stays, you still get hundred percent off off Matt Ritchie. But again, another one not getting any younger. Still, still kicking around from the the championship season. Um, you know, do we just say thanks for everything, Matt? Get yourself away back back down south to the family. And, some some kind of loan deal. It wouldn't surprise me if that happened. I haven't heard anything, but it wouldn't surprise me. And I think as fans, we, we shouldn't be up in arms about that. We should go, there's a player who's given us great service. He's been a good lad. But it's just all things must all good things must come to an end and bigger picture stuff. And Richie going tomorrow wouldn't wouldn't blow me away to be honest. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I think Rich I think Matt Richie's putting it he's been a fantastic, fantastic serving Newcastle and you know the championship season in general, and I would argue, I'd say even the next two seasons after that. First well, season back in oh, the Premier well, League, he was then. immense. Huge, huge. So there's me two outs, Woodman and Ritchie. I think obviously Dan Burns, you've got to say that one. The other one's a, a player that you mentioned, uh, Ketch, is Matt Target. I think that could that could happen. Um, left back, obviously, from yeah. Aston Villa, no Sam's. I know Sam's not keen on it. I think it's because he's playing for Aston Villa, if I'm honest. No, but, I just don't think um, he's better than what we've got. Yeah, I don't think he's. I don't think he's better than Dummett. Why? Why get? Is he better than Mankio? No, well, Mankio was so good against. Uh, I loved Mankio coming on at, uh, against Leeds, um, and just real dis- that 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 the, to win the free kick. The little he, he tackled someone with a Cruyff or something. Like, I don't know how he. <laughs> he did, you see the interception he did, yeah. and uh, the way he read it, and then but then he's he's got the engine to get the overlap in. And then he had nothing on. He just went, I'm, I'm getting in the box here. You got rugby tackled by Llorente. And then there's your free kick that, that Shelby scuffed in. So Manquillo's has been great, I think. And that is he was a Rafa signing. And that's Rafa going, I've got no money. What is the best pound-for-pound pound player I can get? Who's like no Spanish, Premier League experience, you know, can do the things I want him to do. And that's just a great Rafa signing that we've got so much mileage out of. And I think I'd look. I don't want Mankio to go at all. I think he can stay and, and and play play in either position, either fullback position. Um, so yeah, I, I, I'm not moved by target. I mean, I, I immediately think back to the first day of the season when when Villa got beat off Watford and Ishmael. He got hooked at half time, didn't he? Ishmael yeah. Shaw gave him such a torrid time. He, he got substituted at half time. Doesn't seem to have a great deal of pace. I think he's a good lad, a good hard working oh. fullback. But so's so's Paul Dummett. So target not not for me. Um, it's a funny just one, to a, funny one, Sam. Because I've gone. Yeah, no, I need to address this comment first. Villa are not my second team; uh, they're my wife's team. <laughs> I absolutely, I absolutely hate Villa. Um, <laughs> I've lost, completely lost my train of thought. Um, yeah, um, Mankio. If he didn't come on, we wouldn't have won that game against Leeds. Yeah. 
he, yeah. he changed the game. Dummick gave everything, but it was a bit of a mismatch against Rafinha, wasn't it? Let's face it. Yeah. But yeah, t- target. And I'm not ready to give up on Jamal Lewis either. I still think there's a cracking little player in there somewhere. Yeah, to show. yeah that's really, an Eddie Howe player. That's an Eddie Howe player. Lewis can he, Eddie Howe can get into him and turn him into the the fullback he's meant to be. Hundred yeah, um, percent. Really good shot. My my outgoings, my predictions, obviously Hendrick to Middlesbrough, and I think Dwight. If if Enketia does come in, like you say, catch, I think Dwight Gale will go on loan. Yeah, I mean, he has to. I mean, end up, I end I up like like a game. forest somewhere like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like that's this that's textbook, isn't it? Like a forest. The, the, I yeah. feel for Gale because Bruce never trusted him. Um, How doesn't trust him? Um, and he looks like a, a player, you know, who dedicates himself. He looks in great nick every time you see him. Look sharp and fit, and I know he has in issues with injury, but he just never. I, I think he didn't. He didn't even feature against Cambridge. I think he might have had COVID. I know they don't say who's got COVID yeah. and who hasn't, but I was mm. expecting him to be involved in that game, and you know have a chance. He wasn't even on the bench, which I thought was a is that COVID one? You you don't know, dear. But if it's not COVID, that's that's unbelievable that he's not not being trusted. So I think both parties there just need to go. Look, Dwight, it's it's time now, and go on loan, and we'll find you a permanent deal in the in the summer. And, and Gail must just be like, he just needs to go somewhere where he's loved and is the number one striker, and he he'll find a club in the championship that will be that. Um, and I think that's the best. That's right for for all parties. People are saying, is Inketia better than Gail? I think they're probably about par, but Inketia is just a bit of freshness, a bit younger, and probably a bit more hunger. Like Gail, you know, he. I wouldn't blame him for you know not not being committed to the cause because he he knows he's going to be off in the summer, and and the club I don't think have have have, have dealt with him. I don't think they've treated treat him that that great. If I'm honest, he just hasn't been given a, a chance. So I think both parties need to just cut that one loose and and get here in for Gale. I, I'd have that to be honest. Yeah, yeah. And is an interesting one though because I don't know. Apart from the fact that he scored a fantastic hatchet against Sunderland, like Kevin Nolan has done, you know that's something that you can, <laughs> that's something that, that that's something that Newcastle fans can easily go and get on board with. But I don't know. Maybe just he maybe Inkatia just needs a new club. He maybe just thinks Newcastle is a great option for him right now. And Crystal Palace have had bids rejected for him as well. So I don't know. Maybe he just needs a fresh start somewhere. Um, but again, I do agree. Gale should have Gale should have gone a long time ago. But not because he's been bad for the football club he just he, he needed to move back like I, I should, if I was Blackburn I'd be going can we take you on loan because you could probably be the difference that gets us into yeah. the Premier League if I was Blackburn That's a good in particular but but we'll see what happens with that one um, a big question I want to ask Ketch is about the manager because there's now going to be even more pressure about Eddie Howe in terms of keeping this side in the division if Eddie Howe say tomorrow so we all expect Dan Burn to go in. Let's say a striker and maybe someone else comes in, doesn't matter really what position. Has firstly Eddie Howe been given the tools as in the new players to do the job and keep Newcastle in the Premier League? And if he doesn't, should he should he be expected to still be Newcastle manager come next season? Um well, I think he's definitely been given the tools. I mean, if they get if they get Burn and um, and Ketier over the line tomorrow, and maybe another, then you can't say they haven't gone all out for him and got him addressed positions that need addressing. Um, I just think the way the the club operate with this sort of there's not it's 
it's this kind of methodical there's not a great deal of urgency i can't believe we still don't have a director of football in for example because it's all done sort of methodically nothing knee-jerk so i'd be staggered if they got rid of eddie howe in the summer if he didn't if he doesn't keep them up i'd be surprised if they go down in disastrous style you know rock bottom of the league and losing games heavily maybe but i just think it's all long-termism isn't it and and i, and I think they i think just eddie howe he's just the, the epitome of a modern manager isn't he with with their the, the diligence with which he goes about it you know the intensity of training and the ana, the analytics like we're looking i'm looking at how in in press conferences and he's acknowledged it a couple of times he looks knackered i don't know how much he's sleeping but he is he is really throwing himself into this job and hearing things like there's you know four drone cameras at, at every training session and filming everything from every angle and then he's pouring over this footage after training in early before training like every minute that the team spend under how i just think slight incremental gains i just think it's better it's better and i like that i hope i'm hoping to see this improvement and i think the leeds game hopefully was the culmination of all this this effort they look solid against leeds they looked fit they looked organized they looked dangerous going forward like this is slowly always seeing starting to see something click so I think if they go down, I think they'll go down with Howe and give him a chance in the in the championship. But at the, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it, it is results business, isn't it? You don't win, you get you get the boot. It, it, there's no sentiment at all in football, even even with this ownership, they'll they'll know that. But I do think they'll they'll be try and be patient, and and I think that's the way to go. I don't I don't want us to stop going through managers like Everton um, and Watford. I'd rather a bit bit more methodical approach to it all. Yeah, it's it, it's a it's it's massive for him as well, isn't it? Because this is his, obviously his his first job since Bournemouth, where the spotlight was shone on him about being the next bright young English manager, future England manager. This, that, and the other. This is this is now where he's got to prove it, isn't it? And um, to keep us up would be um, one hell of a place to start. But um, catch just before we we wrap up, I I want to um, plug your podcasts <laughs> yeah let's um, do it then. um which one exactly <laughs> well, well both but the one that um you've recently finished but is obviously still available um if you could just talk us through that because um it's well worth a listen believe me yeah so it's a year now since i joined chronicle live and um one of the first things they that they were like have you got any ideas for you know podcasts um on the everything's black and white podcast platform that we have and i pitched the idea of doing a history podcast that uh that walked through the entire history of newcastle united like from 1881 which is when the club began um to 2021 which is 140 years um and mark douglas who was who was my manager at the time and the editor of newcastle united for chronicle life he he was he just said you know love the idea of that go for it and then I approached Paul Joannou to to join me for it. So Paul Joannou's the club's official historian. That's a role he's had at the club for, oh, I don't know, th- since the 80s, I think he's been the official historian. So nobody really knows more about the history of Newcastle United than Paul. Um, and he's brought out several books. Um, I would recommend them all, particularly The Ultimate Record, um, which was, he's done a f- couple of them. Uh, the last one came out around about 2010, which is every single game Newcastle United have ever played, every player. It's an amazing, amazing uh, tomb of Newcastle United history. So he agreed to to kind of do it with me. Um, and we just 
broke the entire 140 year history up into 30 episodes. Um, and myself and Paul hosted it. I asked the questions, Paul did all the facts and stats, and then we would get guests on as well. So we had um, like people like uh, Bob Moncur, Super Mac, Malcolm McDonald came on with John Gibson. So you can imagine how long that, that was a two hour <laughs> session uh, that we split into two. Um, and then uh, I loved when we started to hit the 80s and 90s, I was like, this is my era so we had mark corby i'm sure you know mark through the nuf yeah. uh, the newcastle united sporters trust yeah. who was a yeah. specialist on he, his twitter handle is 1980 to, to 1994 so he came on and did that era lee clark came on did the entertainers era which i was buzzing about warren barton came on keith gillespie ollie bernard came on with his beautiful french geordie accent it's um, great isn't it it's amazing and we just and we just had it out, but we split. We we was we you know we were strict, and that we would talk about that era for that episode. So we managed to split it up into thirty episodes. Um, it came out. We started doing it on the 9th of June uh, in the summer. The last episode came out a couple of weeks ago, and then we did a bonus episode, episode thirty-one, where Paul we created a shortlist of every you know the best player in every position from eighteen eighties to present day, and Paul picked his ultimate eleven. We're actually inviting fans to to vote for theirs. So. I'll put a link on my Twitter if anyone follows me on Twitter at Ketchel. I'll put a link up after this so you can go and vote for your, your ultimate Newcastle United eleven. But just learned so much about the club. Like I, 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 the reason I wanted to do that podcast was because I was a bit embarrassed about how little I knew about Newcastle pre sort of Jackie Milburn and, and all that. And this, it's mad, honestly. The stuff that we, the stuff that we learned. This club is is crazy. Like we think it's mad now. It's it's always been mad. The controversy and the the stories and the characters. Um, so yeah, have if you've got any interest in, in Newcastle United history, it's all it's all there on all the major platforms, Spotify, um, Apple. So go back and, and have a listen. Love doing it. Um, having a bit of a break now. It's quite a lot of work, but uh, yeah, chronicled the history of Newcastle United on on the Everything Is Black and White podcast platform. Have a have a listen. I would highly recommend that. Again, if you go on Catcher's Twitter. He'll get that link where you can choose the, your ultimate eleven. That sounds like the best bit of like get a cup of tea, a couple of biscuits, and pick Newcastle's best eleven in its history. The funny thing was, like, like a, Paul, Paul, sorry, Paul wasn't happy. He wasn't happy with me because he wanted to pick in four three three, and I made him pick in four four two. And yeah. this the list of strikers to get two strikers, oh. you've got like Jackie Milburn, oh. Huey Gallagher, Les Ferdinand, Alan Shearer, Peter Beardsley was in there. He's it's just. Wow. You picking the forwards is heartbreaking. You've got to leave, you've got to leave legends out. So it's 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 tough. It's tough. But yeah, I'll put a link up. Have a go, and uh, let's. We're gonna hopefully we're gonna get. We've had thousands of people taking part. We're gonna have the ultimate eleven, um, and we're gonna release that after the the transfer window is closed and things start to calm down and go back to normal a bit. Yeah, normal things as well. Some were playing cricket yesterday. They were hit for six. They were hit for six. Uh, dear, dear me, but that's probably the only Sunday reference I'll have in this Newcastle United uh, podcast, mm. but um, we'll leave it at that, maybe. They might get a mention tomorrow, maybe, on the Chronicle. Who who knows? There's been a bit of uh, news tonight, hasn't there? Um, but it's been absolutely fantastic talking all things Newcastle United in terms of the transfer around them. We've got one of the, the best brains behind it in catch as well. So thank you so much, Catch. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And again, we'll put uh, on the YouTube version, we'll put his... Uh, the link to the Chronicle Live and also your Twitter platform as well. So make sure you give uh, catch a watch and a look as well. This is some fantastic stuff uh, with with him and with Reach as well. And obviously the Shiny Pod 
uh, podcast as yeah. well. So you've got so much catch, so much that we can't plug <laughs> everything, but we'll try and plug as much as we physically can for you. Yeah, no bother. Yeah, do check out the show. That's something I do in my spare time. Me and my mate trying to find players who appeared in the 1997 Merlin Premier League sticker book and interview them. So <laughs> found a couple of Newcastle, found Rule Fox, uh, Steve Watson, Keith Gillespie, Michael Bridges. They all played for Newcastle. So yeah, long form. That's a long, they're like, Rule Fox would have been at Spurs in 97, man. He was, he was, but I did an hour of Newcastle questions and when we had him on. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> so when, when we did, they're like long form interviews where we speak to, we speak to the player. Like we did, we did three hours with Craig Hignett when we got him on. We've done two hours with, with most players. So they're like long form interviews. So we go through the player's entire career. So Rule played for Newcastle. So I snuck some Newcastle questions in there. So yeah, mm-hmm. searching for shinies is my, extracurricular 1990s football podcast if people are into that sort of thing oh yes i mean i still hate ian wone i mean i mean we'd oh, like yeah. <laughs> not over that not over that wolves game but jesus christ i hate ian wone with a passion well we're getting our own back by he's, he's assistant at burnley isn't he so we're getting he our is. own back by taking chris wood off them yeah no yeah well no when we beat them i would like and the the you get the camera shots to the bench is like yeah fuck you won't but there you go <laughs> where's his podcast going i think that's what a lot of people have been saying over the last few months but yeah ian won't there you go <laughs> anyway it's been an absolute pleasure having you on catch sam a pleasure as always with you my friends and this it has been the green and the show and we'll see you all very very soon Newcastle Fans TV.